I think a lot of women kind of go through a whole thing around when they are having new babies. Um, it's hard. The return to work is really, really hard. I know that for myself. Going back to a full-time job is hard, but a full-time job where you're a restaurant manager or something where you're working nights and weekends, it's even harder. We are wrapping up our epic, wonderful, I've enjoyed it so much, Pippet Girl Gang series of interviews with the powerhouse behind the Pippet Girl Gang, Yen Trin, co-owner of Pippet Restaurant in Pottsville in the Northern Rivers. Yen, I just want to say thank you and I am so excited to have you back on the show. Yeah, it's been, it's things have changed probably since I last chatted to you. Yeah, well, I had to go back and check when it was and it was just before new year 2020 spilling into 2021 and we were all about like border closures and like sydney cluster and yeah oh goodness me like about 50 million things have happened since then but i suppose one thing that stayed the same is that you've needed to be adaptable and resilient and cope with ever-changing circumstances yeah And at the moment, yeah, dealing with floods where it just feels emotionally like COVID and, yeah, it feels way longer than a year. You know, it feels like five years at this point, like just so many things going on. Time is just a bit of a blur. Yeah, I really feel like my whole concept of time is, well, it's just gone out all the windows. I don't even know how to think about time anymore. Um, I think, you know, let's start in the immediate. Obviously, the floods are, you know, a huge and pressing situation. Tell me how things are, you know, how has it been over the past couple of weeks and, you know, what where are things at? Yeah, I think um, specifically in Pottsville, we are a little less affected um, than neighbouring towns, but yeah, I'm sitting here and a defense truck just kind of rolled past. So there's different, there's definitely different uh, help at the moment. And yeah, the the community feeling is, you know, getting a bit better too. Obviously, there's still heaps of work to do, but it doesn't feel as shocking as it had like last week. Mm, that's good. I mean, I guess, yeah, people are incredibly resilient. And after the emergency, which, I, you know, we know some people are still in that real emergency phase, but yeah, I guess recovery just becomes a series of enormous jobs, I suppose, in some ways. Hmm. Um, So, you know, as you know, we've been focusing for the past couple of weeks around the Pippet Girl Gang and you are, it wouldn't have happened without you. So I would love you just to talk about, you know, what it is and what it's been like for you to uh, steer this, steer this program. Yeah. um, So it actually, the seeds of it actually started, in October, so um, as a young chefs collaborative. So in in the bigger picture, it's part of this bigger network to get young chefs together. That was an idea from one of our apprentices, Xander. Um, just recognising that hospitality networks differently in regional areas. So in Ben's career where you'd you know all go to the pub after service and the scene networks and gets together differently, in regional areas, everyone's really spread apart. And so our team was just interested, how do you get young hospital together? So we'd ran one in October of last year. And out of that was like such positive energy, let's do it again. And I, we weren't specific in the gender balance of that one, but we the very first one we had two female chefs and it was just a really passing thought of how about an all-girl version of that? 
same kind of thing. Um, so that's how it kind of came about. Um, and we're still interested in the bigger picture of Young Chefs Collaboratives. Now we're going to, we're doing one in May and it's this ongoing program as well. Um, but I suppose the women, particularly the women's side of things, um, we also learnt a lot from that first one about how do we just build in different things for young chefs around mentoring, around their connections to produce and stuff like that. So this one was a bit more expanded learning lessons from the first one. Mm. And so what actually was it? What was the Pippet Girl Gang event? So it was um, five, four female chefs um, all doing a dish each on a set menu um, and we also had in the lead up to that they went to a produce tour which was also a sort of very female-led farm we also had them with female chefs mentoring through the dish development process um, and on the day mentors were there during prep as well um, and they came and dined and then around that was also the drinks program of uh, female winemakers and female front of house as well. Everyone that I've spoken to that's been part of it ha- found it so delightful and empowering and meaningful. What do you think it is that made it so? I think, yeah, it's just uh, probably because, I don't know, in my background, which is non-hospo, the idea of collaboration is not even that new or remarkable to me. Um, so I'm a bit surprised, but I think that Hospo sometimes just doesn't collaborate like that. And maybe that's why it felt different um, for people. And, and also the, the point around the young chefs is just giving them an opportunity that they might not otherwise get. They're always working for exact chefs. And so maybe their menu, you know, their dishes aren't on the menu. So it's just elevating different opportunities as well as collaborating with people they would not normally collaborate with. Mm. And from like the women's side of things, I know that you've you've had a long, I guess, interest and an ongoing investigation into the nature of dating and relationships in hospitality through your Chef Widow Club illustration and content project. I don't know if you want to describe it differently. Um, but what about that side of it? You know, this the fact that you're showcasing and bringing together women from different workplaces and with different perspectives. Yeah, I suppose that's also been, um, yeah, my own changing role within the restaurant as well where, and just different life stages as well of um, I, when we started, people and I was pregnant at the time and so returning to work and other things have, has been on my mind a lot for myself as well as other staff and women in general because um, I think hospo is a bit – it's hard for women and that's a very specific women's topic, I guess, about maternity leave and kids and all that kind of stuff. And nobody – I feel like no one's really talking about that side. Yeah, well, I mean, even in the conversations that we've had on the podcast with the girl gang, um, maternity leave uh, hasn't really come up, which is interesting. And I suppose when you're talking about young chefs then maybe that makes sense. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, maternity leave, sure, that's – that's a that's a women's thing, but child like bringing up kids, childcare like that should just be a person thing, right? I suppose there's been, um, I suppose like one instance was that our restaurant manager um, Emily went on was pregnant, went on maternity leave, and it wasn't a reflection of 
than necessarily our agenda thing, but he had never dealt with uh, maternity leave in the kitchen or, and he's, you know, been in the industry for years and years. So it's not a gender thing. He's also not trained in how to think about that. And so there are these kind of moments where I think, oh, the women are very specific in that. And I only know stuff around maternity leave because I went through it myself. Yeah, for sure. A couple of years ago, wasn't on my radar, wouldn't know how to deal with it. But how my bosses dealt with my maternity leave certainly influenced how I was dealing with Emily's. And so the gender, there's very specific gender things. Um, and that's not a case of like guys don't know what they're doing. It's just that also they're not trained in that either. So what did you learn about managing maternity leave? Well, I suppose it was the physical side of being at work while you're pregnant as, you know, as sensitive as guys can be about it. You know, they don't walk in those shoes. And so it's a little bit, um, I think women are a little bit more sensitive to those physical changes that sort of happen in that stage. Um, but also, I suppose, for the return for work, um, it's difficult. Um, hospo for night, uh, women who want to work at night. Um, and I guess I've been lucky because I've been more of a corporate background, but when my role changed here, we had to start looking into that. And there's actually an amazing government-subsidized program for daycare for hospital workers and shift workers and I'm like I never knew any of this I don't know anyone else talking about this I don't think women in hospital even know about it wow is that a New South Wales thing no it's Australia wide it's um called in-house care where a lot of medical and doctors use it actually is kind of what I can gather but it's um the same subsidized childcare program that um, you'd use in any other centre. But if you're a shift work, if you're working unusual hours and you meet certain tests, you can use your government subsidies for in-home care. So a person, qualified person will come to your house if you're working night shifts. I have literally never heard anybody talk about that. Exactly. And I didn't even know about that till a couple of months ago. That's crazy. And I think a lot of women um, kind of go through a whole thing around when they are having new babies. Um, it's hard. The return to work is really, really hard. Um, I know that for myself. I'm not even – well, the restaurant feels like a full-time job, but going back to a full-time job is hard. Um, but a full-time job where you're a restaurant manager or something where you're working nights and weekends, it's even harder. Yeah. I mean, do you have any insights into what hospitality businesses – could do. I mean, are there ways to make them friendlier for people who have got young children they also need to take care of? So I guess what I've seen um, is people tend to then gravitate towards bigger businesses, hotels or whatever, where you can probably do more day shifts and that sort of stuff. So I think what I'm seeing is hospital women will just change careers a little bit, go more into admin, go more into a corporate bigger company that has flexibility, you know, where you're not working night services um, as much. Um, and this is generally about the pathways about hospital as well, that people get pretty burnt out from service. And so I'm also seeing that, like what are the pathways for front of house when they don't want to be working services anymore? There's, there's still options in that, of course. Um, or they're just out of the industry. They go do something else. Um, and so I'm also interested yeah, I think it's such an untapped area, especially at now where um, there's such skills shortages. And I was talking to somebody about it before is that, yeah, hospital is so driven towards young people 
And so maybe they've never had to deal with it. There's never been this chat about maternity leave, return to work, because there's just young people going through the system and businesses just are relying on that. It, I mean, it's, it, yeah, that churn is so, you've just got to think that is always such a loss to the industry when someone who's built up all their skills over years is is lost to it, or, you know, whether or not it's for a period of time or forever. Um, it just seems like it's such a tragedy, really. But I think right now there's a lot more around part-time flexibility and certainly as our team, we're about that as well. Just jumping back into service after you've been away for a while is, you know, difficult for people, but... Yeah, how do businesses support that through less night hours or more flexible hours, you know, all that kind of thing, I think is really important. Yeah, I mean, I've recently been writing on, working on a story about hospitality pathways and some of the things that came up, um, particularly for people who wanted to have set daytime hours was working in, you know, as you say, bigger businesses, but also areas like aged care or teaching where the hours are more consistent and reliable and when you finish, you finish. Like as this um, woman, Kim, who works in aged care was saying, she's like, there's no there's no table that comes in as you're just, you know, starting to pack up and clean down. It's like, um, you know, you know, you're done when you're done. Um, so there is that. And you know, also where it's an industry that's had so much negative focus on it in terms of the Royal Commission into Aged Care, uh, you know, showing or highlighting some of the deficiencies in that in that industry and also, you know, the COVID, how it's gone through aged care in such a devastating way that, you know, there's this focus on that industry and people are investing in it. So I guess there are there are other industries, but, you know, as someone, and that's so important that people in aged care get great food, uh, but I also feel like, it would be a shame if restaurants were not, um, and small restaurants as well, weren't places where women um, or, you know, parents in general could uh, find a place for themselves. And I don't know, you just make it work. Like I don't think um, having a baby at the same time as opening a restaurant was a smart move, but, you know, you just make it work like every family does. Um, And we've been very fortunate with like family and other things to support us doing that, but... Um, I think hospital parents just, I don't know, you just make it work because you have to um, as well. What do you reckon um, being a parent has, like what positive things has being a parent given to you in, you know, this other, in this restaurant work? Like do you feel like you've got, I don't know, insights or uh, perspective or attitudes that um, from being a parent that are actually really work really well for hospital? Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's I guess it's about... Considering where, yeah, your team goes in the future and um, I'm at, Penny's sort of running around the restaurant right now and I'm looking at her and I was like, yeah, I mean, part of the Girl Gang event was also about that. Like, what's her future? How do, does she run this restaurant in the future and does she even want to do that? Like, there's all these sort of things in the background as well. Um, so, yeah, I think um, giving them role mo- I said it in the Girl Gang booklet about giving uh, – Penny role models for the future as well that she can do whatever she wants to do um and we need to also tell our staff that as well as much as our children yeah I love that I mean being you know everyone that works with you seems to really look up to you as a leader and a mentor um I mean how how do you reflect on that yourself like do you see that as a as a joy or a burden is it a is it, is it a responsibility that weighs heavily on you or is it something that I guess inspires you I guess because I've um 
until recently haven't really been working services. It's not my background. It's really been in the day-to-day. So he's always had a closer relationship with our team. Um, so my background in events and that sort of stuff um, has been the chance for me to work with them, some of them a little bit more closely. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's definitely a joy because I've – because I haven't come from hospital, sometimes I don't know where I fit into the restaurant. Some, I mean, that might feel sound odd to say, but um, but I know that the collaboration side and all that is my strength and my interest, and that's always been my passion about how we work with our team and collaborate with external people. So, yeah, I guess these little pop-ups and other things are like my pet projects that I really enjoy. Um, and aside from the team, they're also like my own little – escape from all the really stressful other stuff that I do, like look at the numbers and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I I really enjoy that part. And I guess slowly understanding that the restaurant can be that, like it can be this space and platform to do be, to be doing all these things. Generally, it's always seen as the place that's just running service. It's the normal mm. day-to-day stuff. And that's some of the stuff that really weighs us down as owners because that's the constant stuff. And so... Yeah, the pop-ups, the other stuff, it's fun for the team. It's also fun for me and Ben to be able to do that. And part of the idea of owning a place is so that you can create something that you didn't have in other workplaces and all that sort of stuff. So I'm also very mindful of what I've seen as gaps in Ben's other jobs and careers of like how we can do that differently. So I'm very aware of that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, it does seem... We heard then we heard this um, from Jude particularly. Like there is a real value in people who haven't got a hospo background in coming in, I suppose, with fresh eyes and being able to create, whether it's create change or just create new pathways or opportunities or just a new feeling in a restaurant. Do you feel like you know you've been able to bring, you've been able to offer different things? Yeah, and I think that took me a while to understand that, um, but yes. Absolutely. I, I think that that's my strength and what I can contribute to some of these pop-ups and stuff that um, Ben also just doesn't have the time to do, even if he has the interest to do them um, as well. So um, I guess my background's more in like project management, design facilitation and stuff. I spent a lot of my own time just making other people's ideas happen. Um, and one of my pet peeves is just good ideas that don't get action. So I'm always about if you've got an idea, just go make it happen. And so I there's lots of ideas around here and I'm very clear that I'm the kind of person who can make that happen for our team if they've got a they've got a crazy idea or, or a collaborative idea. And that's really how the pop up started. Like a lot of them is just you've got an idea, let's make it happen. And that's what we do. Uh, it's so empowering. I love it. And I also love this notion of that you sometimes feel like you don't fit in but then being able to flip that and use it as a positive where it's like well I'll just do a different thing to what people might expect I think that's so that's just so powerful and it's fun like it's really yeah they're always a bit hard work and you're always like winging it a bit on the day but there's such a different energy um to doing these pop-ups from the day to day and yeah I think everyone needs that do you have uh, plans for the next one or for, you know, have you got some big, big dreams, big ideas for the future? Yeah. So we had an amazing response out of the first October one um, where people wanted to also move it to other venues as well. So 
the first one we had, um, who do we have? We had three blue docks and Pottajar, um, and Finns and all these local restaurants. And a guest just said to me, how about they do one kind of thing? So this idea that it could move around the Northern rivers is part of my interest. The idea of making it quarterly and ongoing as part of training for our team, but as well as the original intent is just networking across young chefs regionally. Um, so our next one in the works is with Karakin and Yamba, um, with Ray's, with Shelter, with a chef from here, and and mentors across um, other restaurants as well. So it's sort of repeating the format. Um, so that's looking at May, and I'm trying to swing one for September as well. So the idea that we would do these quarterly, whether it's at Pippet or elsewhere, um, it's a it's a template. Any any venue can do this, and I'm sharing all of our structures and templates so that yeah, other business owners can be empowered to do it too. Uh, yeah, that's really great. And that's just regionally, really. The formats anyone in any city could do. Yeah, <laughs> you're such a can-do person. I love it. I mean, I, I also think you know to have this structure and dotted around the northern rivers. I mean, I guess these kinds of bringing together community in positive ways will be so important uh, as part of the recovery from the floods, not to mention COVID. Yeah, um, and we are seeing that. I mean, our team's actually about to, some of our chefs are going to do a flood relief in a couple of weeks, and that's using um, milk and honey and malambimbi. So, yeah, there's um, also other venues opening themselves up when they're on their closed days to other things. So, yeah, I think we will see more of that. Mm. And what about um, Chef Widow Club or other design projects? Do you have other things in the wings? Uh, I think uh, the restaurant got really busy and so everything got a bit sidelined. I am writing that book. I really want to make uh, it's been my goal to make the Widow's Project into a book. So we've had 100 stories, pitched it to publishers and all that. Um, but the idea of making it a recipe book with 100 recipes, so it's – there but my deadline was sort of now and I haven't met that so um I'm a can-do person but sometimes things get sidelined <laughs> sure well I guess it's still there it's all it's all valid whenever whenever it happens but I mean can you explain a bit more about that project for people who don't know about it you know what is it and what are the aims yeah so my um background is in illustration and graphic design and so it was a bit of a drawing project um but around COVID was um, just and also other sort of negative things that were around the restaurant of just high, wanting to highlight that the real humans behind hospitality, that there's couples behind all these restaurants and they're all sort of doing it tough and what are their stories and that sort of thing. So that's kind of where it originally came out of, the original COVID lockdowns. Um, and it was about... The first dishes made in dating. So what Ben had cooked for me and then what 100 other people shared their love stories. And it was just really a nice positive thing during COVID. Um, but trying to give a little bit of insight about the people behind hospitality who are crazy passionate people running these establishments. And it needed, yeah, I was interested to share those. Yeah, it's such a great idea. Um, at w- We've had some really interesting chats in this Girl Gang series about 
the place of restaurants and hospitality during hard times. I mean, how do you reflect on that? Like what place do you think Pippet has played in the community and, you know, for the people that, that work there and dine there? And, you know, where do you think, you know, do you, how do you see that rolling out for the future? Yeah, I guess I've always, um, cafes and restaurants, um, are like parks to me, basically. They're the place, they're the social spaces that uh, people gather. This is Budemeyer, ex-town planning head, sort of really thinking of them in the structure of cities. Um, and so, yeah, I've always seen them as a social space at the moment. Um, and, you know, that's for our team to gather because they, they need the routine and the activity to keep busy. Um, and at the moment, we're actually also running a raffle for um, flood relief and just this idea that, they can be centres to pull other people in and do things together and um, or host events or those sort of things. So they're just also a, a place to escape, I think I've started to realise, in the floods. Um, we're very fine dining. We're very special occasion and nobody wants to celebrate. But it isn't really about that. It's just about also needing a bit of a, an escape from all the stresses of what's happening. Um, and that's not a day-to-day thing as well. Um, I think people, yeah, use restaurants as a bit of a getaway. Yeah. And what does it feel like to offer that place to people? Yeah, it's really, yeah, it felt really important, um, at the, yeah, last week, particularly like that said, we've had heaps of cancellations as well, but the people who have come in have really valued that time away and, that also helped our team. I don't think we quite realised it till after the first service because we were just opening and trying to get back on our feet. Um, but it was, yeah, it felt really nice for our team to feel of service and have purpose when everything's just a bit uh, uncertain and are out of your control and all that sort of stuff. You know, you can control your own little corner and um, offer something. Yeah. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, well, yeah, and I feel like I owe you a big uh thank you for uh yeah giving me fodder for a really rich uh mini series of content around the pippet girl gang so a big thank you to you and congratulations um for yeah the energy and intention that you put into it Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to say yeah and thanks for having all the other girls get to talk because um i think that's really important as part of this to have younger people talk i think traditional media still just goes to executive chefs like most media requests just go to ben whereas there's a whole bunch of other people so thank you so much for sharing their stories as well ah i just honestly they are just the best people it's been it's been so good and so inspiring i've just loved it so yeah um thanks yeah thanks for nurturing such great talent um all right, Yen, it's been awesome to have you back on the show. Um, stay in touch. Good luck with everything. And, yeah, can't wait to uh, keep an eye on upcoming projects. Okay, thanks so much. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. 
We can't wait to hear from you. This is